0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to our Team Health Clinical Operations Podcast. In this podcast, we're going to highlight a truly heroic and inspirational event that occurred at Advent Health Altamont Springs, where our Team Health Hospital Medicine and Emergency Medicine teams worked in perfect synchrony in order to handle an emergency situation. My name is Dr. Ruby Sahu, and I'll be hosting alongside Pam Williams. So I'm gonna start with introducing our two speakers today. Um, I will start with Dr. Kimberly Zuzak. Would you mind taking some time to introduce yourself and give us a little bit of background?
1: Sure, Um, Hi, I'm Dr. Kimberly Zuzak. I'm the facility medical director of hospital medicine at Altamont Springs. Uh, I've been here in my role for about three and a half years and I I came from the Maryland, Washington DC area. And uh, I can tell you that I was used to dealing with a lot of snow and blizzards, but I was not used to hurricanes. So uh, this experience was my first and was uh, gave me a lot of insight and uh, in terms of learning how to uh, prepare and deal uh, with an emergency situation like a hurricane.
0: Thank you for sharing that. Um, Dr. Max Baumgartner, would you like to introduce yourself?
2: Hello, my name is Max Baumgartner. I am the uh, facility medical director for Advent Health Altamont Springs, as well as uh, Advent Health Avito in Lake Marion, Seminole County. And so, my role is to lead our emergency medicine services uh, for the county. Um, I, too, like Dr. Dr. Zuzak, uh, had not been used to hurricanes until moving to Florida, and so it was a definite transition of learning how to support and, and deal with these disasters uh, for the region.
0: I appreciate you sharing that. So, Dr. Baumgartner, I'm going to start with you. I understand you both recently went through a major disaster that was pretty unprecedented for your area. Can you describe what occurred and and really the extent of the devastation in your community?
2: So, we experienced a a, uh, really a statewide disaster with a major hurricane, and it affected not only our community, but the communities on both coasts. And, And so, for us, that begins with preparation before the hurricane, mobilizing staff scheduling uh, and resources, not just for our own community, but a lot of the coastal communities were displaced or moved into our central Florida region. And so uh, really it, we had to plan for a large surge of patients um, and also patients that, that didn't have any established care with very complex medical conditions where we had to evaluate and use our local resources to help provide care for them, get them home, or actually help get them to, put, uh, to safe places before the storm and after the storm.
0: Wow, what an incredible uh, start of the the story. Um, Dr. Zuzak, I'd love to hear from you. Can you speak from a healthcare standpoint, what was meant for the care uh, of the patients that were in the hospital and the emergency department, post-acute, et cetera, during that time?
1: Well, you know, I can first tell you that uh, our our teams were outstanding. Uh, And in terms of reassuring the patients, uh, some of the patients were asking us, I know you have to go off shift, like what's going to happen. And we're like, Hey, we're here 24, seven. We're not going anywhere. Our team, we're staying in the night with you. If you need anything, we're here for you. So uh, I can tell you the patients were, you know, they were very calm because we gave them that sense of calm and they, they, you know, had confidence that we were going to care for them because we weren't going anywhere. We were going to ride out the storm with them. Uh, you know, and some of our doctors even uh, they they couldn't go home because there was flooding in their areas and they couldn't even get to their homes. So we not only caring for the the patients, uh, but also for for our own. Um, and for some of those post acute patients, you know, they some of them had to stay. Uh, extra time because they weren't able to move to their skilled nursing facility due to uh, flooding. And and actually, I don't know, there was like, it, it was historical flooding in the Orlando area. There was, in, in some areas there was 14 inches of water um, and some, more than 14 inches of rain that had come down in that area. So there was a lot of flooding. Uh, power was out. Uh, and it also, I think Max, I think it also affected like the sewer systems. I think the water was yeah. fine, but uh, it, it impacted the the sewer system. So, uh, you know, there was a limitation on, you know, flushing toilets and doing laundry and and even like showering and bathing, that sort of thing.
2: It was actually, you're, uh, you're right, Dr. Zuzek. It was actually, um, unfortunately, quite amazing in such an urban city, how flooding had a, had such an impact for such a long time, loss of power, loss of water and sewage, and the city really uh, was a was a big challenge for our city and really for the care of patients. Where when you send them home and they don't have access to, you know, air conditioning, water, and, and even sanitary items, you know how that really affected our ability to take care of patients and discharge and marine follow follow up care as well.
1: Yeah, and did you did you see the I four express lanes by Universal? Uh, studios it like there was footage that it it actually looked like a river like if you didn't know what you were looking at you you would just swear that it was just a river coming you know with all the water coming down it that was like right by my house I couldn't believe it when I found out that that was you know by Universal Studios
2: yeah I think that was pretty wild that and uh, the turnpike it you know really affected even even transport in and out of the city it was really bizarre.
3: Wow, that is so many variables uh, related to one disaster uh, that you were faced and challenged with. How? Um, let's start with Dr. Zuzak. How were you able to organize and mobilize your teams into action with so many issues at hand between the water supply, the sanitary conditions, discharge planning? Well, how, what did you do with your teams? Um to be able to allocate them and
1: organize them around this. Uh, well, I uh, <laughs> I was very fortunate to have a team that ha- that they have lived in Florida <laughs> for uh, many years, so uh, they actually were teaching me. But um, I can tell you that uh, really trying to uh, have fluid communication and and trying to over communicate. So uh, communication in person, we had several huddles. Uh, for instance, the the morning of, uh, like hours before impact, uh, we had an emergency huddle to ensure that we knew who was staying in house. Uh, there was uh, one or two of our doctors who they had to go home because they had small children, and you know, childcare was an issue. So uh, we had the emergency huddle uh, and um, delegated who was going to stay if someone couldn't come in the following day, then we had a plan to triage and make sure that every patient was cared for and seen. Uh, You know, that communication, we also texting emails and, you know, that Wednesday trying to ensure that we are discharging as many patients uh, as efficiently and as safely as possible uh, you know going to uh acute or going home uh really trying to ensure their safety um and, and getting them home before before the the impact so uh we try to over communicate uh and and also just having you know that leadership on the ground uh to help support the the, the team that's that is yeah, amazing we
3: so- can't say too much Dr Baumgartner can you talk about Sort of pre-communication efforts to keep your team on track, and how that interface looked with our your
2: HM partner. So, um, from a, from an emergency medicine service line, um, uh, we started. You know, we started with email, daily emails, and then uh, massive group text at least twice a day with an update. And I think the update started with, "Hey guys, probably nothing to worry about. It's probably not going to hit us." And then twenty four hours later, you know, "Hey guys, it's going to hit us." So it very rapidly changed from, you know, it's on the news. It's probably not going to affect us. To this is really going to affect us. Um, and so, so the beginning, the beginning uh, preparation starts with with communication within the EM team and then with the HM team to discuss, um, you know, how do we try to take care of patients? Actually, how do we get patients safely out of the hospital beforehand? Um, because it's a real challenge to have staff in the hospital or uh, during that during that storm. And then um, as the storm approaches. Uh, we make sure that we have a leadership at every at all three campuses, and then during the storm, and then really after the storm was was I think probably our our biggest challenge. Um, after the storm, a lot of uh, urgent cares were not open because they didn't have staff or they didn't have resources or power, and so our emergency service lines became very very inundated with patients with minor injuries or illnesses that probably could have been cared for at alternative locations if they were open, but not available. And then again, the influx of patients that came from the coast that had chronic conditions, they forgot their medications or they had an exacerbation of their heart failure, um, et cetera. And that's how we re- really worked with the HM team to, to help us uh, take care of those patients. We had patients where, where we didn't, where we thought they could be safely discharged, but they had no primary care doctor to connect with. We would sometimes reach out to our HM partners for some advice on what's the best way to transition their care. We also have patients that need to be transferred somewhere. And in a few instances, the HM team was, was very helpful um, with our admission hole transfers to help us admit these patients are put in care orders, you know, for 24 to 40 hours of a of a CHF exacerbation or pediatric uh, congenital heart anomaly. You know, how do you care for those patients in the interim between the ER care and that transport back to a facility on the coast that's just now getting getting back operational? And so the HM team was. Was instrumental in helping us with that transitional care of a lot of patients.
3: Wow, amazing! I'm certainly taking some great notes myself uh, for the next event. Can you, um, Dr. Zuzak, start and tell us a little bit about what you needed for your team or what you pulled in for your team to help them stay on track mentally? And were there any particular resources that you identified that you found um, most helpful? Because while we have them at the hospital, they still have you know, they're dealing with the hospital and their own families at home. I think you mentioned that earlier.
1: Yeah, you you can imagine, um, you know, having to be away from your family, especially during, uh, you know, a hurricane, you know, is is very uh, mentally, you know, taxing. Uh, So, you know, that's why we we met in person, you know, we're in this together, Uh, we're here to support you. Uh, we worked hand in hand with the incident command center that was formed uh, as soon as we, you know, as Max said, we knew this was becoming real, uh, and uh, so coordinating with the incident command center. And I have to say, Advent Health was uh, just phenomenal in terms of the the level of support. So you know, really identifying those resources became so important, you know, uh, where are we, you know, so first we had to like make sure that we're discharging patients so that uh, hopefully there's room for the staff to stay. So, uh, you know, so we had to identify, you know, if, who are we able to safely and efficiently get out? And and then where does that leave us uh, in terms of how, what, bed availability is there for our own staff so that they can rest um so you know working with the incident command center um the CMO and CNO we identified uh beds in the uh in the in the PACU and OR uh and then making sure that there was food available to help nourish our team uh and then also just checking in uh you know how their homes are doing and how, how are their families doing um, and just letting them know that we're here to help them uh, through the storm and after uh, in, in terms of what their needs are. And as I mentioned, you know um, one or two of our, our doctors couldn't go home. So we're like, well, you know, you, you have, you can keep the bed that you have. We're going to take care of you. Um, you know, even though it's not, you know, I know you want to go home, but we're here to, to help care for you too.
2: You know, from the emergencies, from the ED perspective, um, right up and right up through the storm beginning, we staff typically at normal staffing, and it's really collective team effort of who needs to who needs to go home and who can stay. And we typically find a a a smaller group of physicians that can stay in the hospital, and then right afterwards, there's a large surge where we actually resume normal staffing plus additional surge staffing for that extra volume, Um, and that that really just comes down to communication between us and the HM team and the hospital team. During this dorm, we kind of, we huddle with the HM team, but also the other service lines. Team health has a large presence at this hospital. uh, And so we make up a large portion of the medical staff. And that really helps us to work with the other service lines that that we don't currently staff for support reasons. You know, the critical care team is, Hey, whatever you need, we'll be happy to help you. And And it goes both ways. We'll help the surgical department if they're not available, and so I really think having a, a large presence in the medical staff really helps us to support the hospital and work with the other service lines. And that's incredibly that's incredibly valuable to the hospital and to the patient.
0: That's incredible. I appreciate you both sharing all of that. It's clear that you both individually have done so much work and have had th- so many thoughts of how to support your teams and, and all of the logistics that go into this disaster planning. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit more about how the departments have been working together. Um, So knowing all of the work that you're doing was in so many ways a team effort involving so many multiple uh, coordinated efforts from probably multiple skilled leaders as well. Um, Tell me a little bit more about what your interaction was with other healthcare leaders. Max, would you mind going first?
2: So we have um, we have what's called the Clinical Leadership Council, and every department has a leader that's on that council. And that includes myself and Dr. Zuzak. Uh, as well as um, the other other, uh, major uh, systems and departments within the hospital. So typically we have a call and a meeting at least once a day before the storm and after the storm to huddle and see what do the departments need, um, how can the hospital support that, and how can the service lines support each other. Um, And so uh, a prime example, again, would be like the ICU physician or critical care service saying, I'm in-house. If you get overrun with critical care patients in the ER, let me know. I'll be, I'll be happy to come down and help and do things they typically wouldn't do or same with surgery. Surgery said, if you get overrun with lacerations or injuries, um, we'll be happy to help. Same with the orthopedics, um, et cetera. So um, it's a very collaborative effort amongst our hospital medical staff.
0: That's incredible to hear. And Kim, I'm curious to hear from you. Did you um, have a lot of these relationships previously and and how was that helpful or or not helpful?
1: Uh. We, we did. And, you know, I, I think it's instrumental in, in terms of having such an organized and coordinated uh, effort, especially when having to encounter uh, a major <laughs> disaster. Um, so, you know, I I had full confidence uh, in the leadership at, at Advent and, and like Max said, the leaders. um the other leaders at the hospital and in Max, uh, that whatever resources we had, they they were going to give us whatever we needed, and uh, there was fluid communication. Uh, if I needed to to reach out to the CMO or CEO, if I needed anything, uh, you know, I, I knew that they were going to be responsive and uh, you know would try to help us in any way they could. Uh, So, and I will tell you that this is a much different experience that I've had in in the past at at other, at a, at a different site in a different state. Um, You know, so it, you know, knowing that you have that support behind you, uh it really helps empower you. And uh and you can relay that then to your team. And you know, I can go down and talk to Max and uh and and we have our own, you know, leadership rounds that we have with our teams uh in EM and HM in, in the integrated effort. So uh I think it it speaks volumes and, and to have these relationships I think is really key.
0: It's been so helpful to hear from both of you about how your work has impacted so many of the, not only your team members, but all the patients and the community members there. Um, I'm curious to know uh, how you felt integration or having integrated uh, teams has helped you navigate the disaster that you went through.
2: We round together in each other's departments on a routine basis, and we attend each other's meetings. So um, having, a, having a really good understanding of the other department's needs um, and challenges before the storm really helped us to support each other during the storm because we have a better perspective as how the other teams operate and what their challenges may be uh, during a disaster.
1: Yeah, and if, if I could just add to that, um, you know, really, Dr. Baumgartner, yeah, like our relationship uh, in, in our teams, uh, it goes back, uh, you know, years because we've been, warming uh these relationships within our teams uh through you know attending each other's meetings uh on a quarterly basis uh we've you know had dinners together uh last night we had our holiday party <laughs> and uh we've done the the red skirt run for um uh for heart awareness uh and participated in that together and uh we had won the the, the best, uh, costume for that, uh, collectively together in our integrative efforts. So, you know, really forming these relationships outside of the hospital really helps when you're getting that call from the ER and, you know, who's on the other line and, and, you know, you can put your trust in, and who's telling you about that patient. And I think, you know, it takes time to form these relationships, but it has been, uh, so valuable in having these many different interactions outside of work uh, that has helped us, I think,
2: become truly integrated. I think we put the team in team health at our campus.
3: Oh, wow. That's really amazing. Thank you guys so much. So one of the really important reasons we like to host these podcasts is for the wisdom that you learn before, during, and after so, in wrapping up with just a couple lessons learned questions, then we'll move on. What? Let's start uh, with Dr. Baumgartner. What would you do differently if you're advising a future FMD through any kind of challenge? A, you know, no matter what the disaster. Um, and what would you I do again?
2: For, I think if I think uh, for the next hurricane, I'll, I'll probably do a little better job of making sure that. Um, there's uh, better food and, and sleeping uh, supplies. Um, you know, we're, we're told that, hey, we'll have availability, but really trying to ensure and make sure that that everything is really itemized down the person. Um, you know, um, I think that supporting people because while a lot of the leaders know how to navigate the hospital and the challenges, some of the some of our frontline uh, emergency physicians may not know who to ask about getting a sleeping quarters room. So I think, I think maybe uh, better establishing, Just their basic needs while they're at the hospital as far as sleeping quarters, food, and shower. Um, uh, And those are very important things to make sure that that they're okay with working and they're satisfied while they're here. So uh, that'd be my big takeaway just to address that in the future.
3: Okay. Dr. Zuzak, how about you take the other question for us? What would you absolutely
1: do again? (laughs) I I think uh, over-communication is really important. So, uh, you know, I, I think Uh, early communication, identifying uh, your resources, who's available and and for those doctors who are off service, uh, what their availability is and and just being strategic about it and understanding who lives close to the hospital. If this person can't come in, you know, maybe we can call this person, Uh, you know, also identifying potential problems and barriers uh, that might exist uh, for, for the team and, in helping support them. Uh, you know, I think we were able to support that uh, doctor who, who needed to stay at the hospital uh, due to the flooding in, in her area. But, you know, I think just making sure that we continue to do that and, and continue to support the team in, in any way we can.
3: Dr. Sahu, would you like to close us out from this great podcast today?
0: Yeah, doctors Zuzak and Baumgartner, we wanted to take this time to thank you for sharing your experiences and your guidance. This will definitely help future FMDs as they try to navigate these emergency type situations in the future. So we really appreciate you taking the time to share all of this.